Well, good morning. That was one of the, uh, thank you, Gina. Man, Tim, thank you very much for that. That was one of the most in, uh, encouraging things I've heard in a long time. And uh, I'm excited to hear what I have to say. Uh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Not at all. No. Um, this is, it really is cool. It's just, it's great to be with all of you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming and showing up. Uh, J. Brian Craig, thank you for inviting me and trusting me with, uh, with this, with uh, this time with all of you. Uh, thank you guys for, for coming and, and uh, trusting me with, with your time and attention. And uh, I really, I've been praying a lot about this, but really praying that, that uh, God would give you something that you need. And uh, uh, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is that, that, that you need to hear necessarily, but I'm hoping that uh, just throughout some of the discussion and some of the things that we talk about, that God will be able to encourage you and inspire you and help you figure out what it is that God wants you to be doing. Um, uh, Tim and I are it was very connected today. I've got Psalm 92 is in my, uh, in my outline here, so we're going to talk about the same scripture. I also wanted to start off saying thank you to all of you. Uh, because I believe that when people decide to serve God and serve their church, uh, that is such a huge blessing. And, uh, um, you know, in, in, in our churches, we're, we are a church of volunteers, right? I mean, our churches don't run unless you, as the volunteers, run them. Uh, Sunday morning services don't happen unless you show up and set up the Sunday morning services. None, none of this would happen. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm, you only had one full-time guy here who, who was making all this happen. The rest of it happens because there's volunteers that make it work. But that's because the church is a body. And all of us are in the body of Christ. And we're all supposed to come together and help the body of Christ actually do what Jesus, the head, wants us to do. And so we're the hands and feet. And so this is a very particular and specific uh, part of service that we get to do. Which is a great thing. Did I say Pacific or specific? <laughs> you know when you're talking and you say a word and you're like, I think I said that wrong. I figured I would just go ahead and bust it out right now. Did, it, did anybody notice that I say it wrong or did I say it right? I said it right? Okay, that's good. In my head, I said it totally wrong. But it came out right, so that, that's good. Thank goodness. Okay. Um, but So I, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for showing up early. Thank you for getting up in the morning and making it to church beforehand. Thank you for driving the truck that pulls the trailer that holds all the gear. Uh, thank you for, thank you for, for learning uh, how to actually wrap cables. Uh, there, there, I don't know if you know this, but there is a very specific way that you're supposed to wrap cables. And if you do not wrap cables in that very specific way, it is one of the cardinal sins. Uh, if you, you wrap cables around your elbow like that, I mean, you may have to get rebaptized after that. You don't, you, don't, you don't do this. You do this, and it's the twist, and it's all that. You have to do the twist. So, but thank you for learning how to wrap cables. Thank you for packing up your gear and bringing it every Sunday. Thank you for practicing your craft. Thank you for really trying to figure out what it means to sing in tune. Uh, thank you for... Uh, we're all trying. We're all still trying, you know. Uh, thank you for, just for all of the hours and the time that you put in to help other people connect with God. And uh, it, it's really such a great thing to be able to do that. So I, I, just, I really wanted to say thank you and honor you guys for all of the work that you put in. Uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit about me and my family. This is my family right here. Right? 
There, there we are. Um, that's my wife, Tracy. We've been married for 25 years, uh, almost 25 years. We'll be in September, which is really cool. We met in music school back in Oklahoma, and uh, she is a tremendously gifted violinist. Uh, if you've ever heard her play, it just blows your mind. She's absolutely incredible. But when we were in school, she was always in the practice room, and she wouldn't come out and talk to all us jazz guys, and we were always trying to figure out who the blonde girl was. And then finally, one day, she started walking. I was at school very early because I had to play for a class. And I usually worked playing music until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I had to be at school at 7. It was not a pretty sight. And so I was there, and I couldn't get into the room where I was supposed to be. So I'm laying on the floor uh, in the music school, and she comes walking down uh, the hall in this purple dress with her blonde hair flowing is down to her, you know, halfway down her back. And, and as she walked by, first words out of my mouth to her ever, no lie, was, marry me. I uh, looked at her and said, wow, marry me, you know, and she laughed and, and walked away, and, um, but, uh, luckily for me, uh, I was playing for a class that morning that she happened to be in, and, uh, so I got to play, it was a, it was kind of a, a music appreciation class, and I was playing some, uh, original song compositions that I'd written, and, uh, she was able to see past all of this and actually get to my heart through the music. And so she agreed to marry me shortly thereafter. And uh, so we, we, we've been married for 25 years. It's been great. We moved to Los Angeles in 1993 for her to get her master's degree at USC. And uh, the other violinist and her string quartet there reached out to her on the first, first time he met her and uh, brought her out to church. And uh, so we got converted in November of 1993. And we were there. Kevin uh, was there in the central with us. Betty, uh, I remember uh, being with Betty, we were doing, um, Betty, what was that song that we used to do? <laughs> See, we're old. This is a long time ago, right? Train, something about the train coming, get on board. Yeah, whatever it was, but it was awesome. It was really, changed our life, totally. Uh, and uh, so the, these are our kids. My, my daughter is in the middle there. That, that was at her high school graduation. She's a freshman at Pepperdine, uh, doing great. She's been a Christian for five years. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. Single brothers. Good girl right there. So, but uh, ask me first. Talk to me first. Um, it's my son, Jonathan, right there. He's 15, and uh, he just got baptized in December, uh, which was great. So we're very excited about that. And uh, then these two guys over here, this is Jacob in Brooklyn, and uh, they just joined our family three years ago. We adopted them. They are uh, brother and sister, uh, but uh, had lost their parents and uh, were really going through rough times in the, uh, the system there, but they were able to come and join our family. So it's almost been three years. It's been absolutely incredible just to have them, so it's been great. So... That's, that, that's my family. I love it. I love these guys. They're so cool. This is my other family, my extended family. This is the Turning Point Church. That's my, my uh, music ministry there on the stage. I just love this picture because this is what we do, and this is what we get to do, is spend time leading people to worship God, and I absolutely love doing that. So I wanted to start off today by talking about what worship is. And I think that you all have read this passage, I'm assuming that you have, and that you know this concept that worship is not equal to singing. And singing does not equal worship. But worship is actually the way that we live our life. Is everyone familiar with this concept? Right? Okay, so Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The way that you live your life is worship. 
The way that you interact with people is worship. The way that you handle your finances is worship. The way that you are, the way that you talk to people, the waitresses that you, that you see at the restaurants that you go to, that is worship. The way that you work hard to keep your house clean and do laundry, the way that you talk to your kids, the way that you interact, that all of this is worship. And we all know this, right? And so we're supposed to live our lives worshiping God. And everything that we do is designed to do this. And so we are called as followers of Jesus to always be in worship to God. And that is such a great thing for us to be able to do. And we always have to remember that. And it's so easy then. But then we have the shorthand that when we get to church on Sunday that we, that we have the worship and then we have the message. And that, you know, I, I want to keep getting that terminology out of the church because worship is not just the, the, what you do in the beginning, but then it's so easy to say it and we all know what we mean anyhow. And so you kind of do it anyhow. Well, it's just the worship. We do the worship and then we do the message. No, the whole Sunday service is worship. When we're praying, that's worship. When we're talking to one another in the lobby, that's worship. When we're setting up beforehand, that's worship. When we're listening to the word that is coming at us and applying it to our life, that is worship. When we're taking communion together, that is worship. Everything that we do is worship. But then, all of us, we get this incredible privilege of doing musical worship. And God created music to be in such a way that it moves our hearts and it helps all of us with this. Now, I know some of the stuff I'm saying, actually pretty much all the stuff I'm saying is very basic stuff. And I know that you know all of this already. And so I'm, I probably am not going to tell you anything new, but I'm just reminding you of what it is. And it doesn't bother me to remind you again, and you need to be reminded again. You know, I mean, so we're, we're going to talk about all this. But let's talk about musical worship for a second. Oh, no, before I got there, I forgot. I got to read you this quote. This is so cool. William Temple, he was the Archbishop, Archbishop of Canterbury about 100 years ago. But he said this about worship. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. I mean, it, it makes me tear up when I, when I really think about that. That's what worship is for us. It's not just coming in and singing some songs, but it's bringing us into the presence of God, changing everything that we think and feel in every moment about God and begging God, like, God, please teach me something today. Help me to feel you more today. Help me to understand you more today. I want more of you. That's what worship is, going, God, I need you. I want you. You're amazing. You're incredible. I want more. It's when you're singing, I mean, even this morning, we were, we were singing one of those songs talking about God as a healer for the broken. And I just, I, start, I started thinking about, there's some, several people in my life right now that are really broken, that need healing. And I started praying for them in that moment and was brought to tears, just like, God, please heal them. And that's worship. It's kind of, you know, it's, I'm not just singing the songs because we're singing songs. No, I'm, I'm letting the songs move my heart into what God is wanting to do in my life and in the life of other people. But it takes intention to do that because it's so easy just to kind of sing the songs. 10,000 reasons, da, 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 whatever the words are, da, da, dee, you know, and you just go through it. You just get in a habit. But if you're worshiping, then you're feeding your mind with the truth of God. And I like purging the imagination by the beauty of God. That's a great thought, isn't it? Isn't that cool? Because we can imagine all these things about God and how awesome he is. But what about if we purged our imagination and let God's beauty really become 
what we think and what we feel about God. Oh, I just love that. I think that's awesome. And then opening that. So this is worship. This is what we're supposed to do. But then musical worship is so cool. It's going to go. It's not going to go. There it is. All right. So musical worship is so cool. So as Tim read this morning, Psalm 92, it's good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. So worship is always supposed to be about connecting with God, but music does it in a special way, doesn't it? Have you ever prayed this prayer? And I apologize if I offend anybody, but sometimes I pray this prayer. God, thank you that I was born in the Western Hemisphere and I get to really listen to Western music because I don't like quarter tones. You know what I'm talking about? Eastern music, there's, there's quarter tones in music. I don't, like, I don't like that. Now, there's the other thing about that is that people, they, this, is, this is something you should write this down. This is not in my notes, but people like what they know. They don't always know what they like, but they like what they know. So whatever it is that you're familiar with, that's what you're going to like. As you're choosing songs, now I'm going down a whole different rabbit path here. But as you're choosing songs for your, for your worship team, don't worry about if you do something the first time and people are like, I'm not sure about that. They're not going to like it until they know it. And you, sometimes you've got to go through a song like five or six times before you go, did, did this really connect or not? You know, because the first time somebody hears something, they're like, I didn't like that song. It wasn't very good. But... It, <laughs> The reason that they don't like it is because they don't know it. That, that's really what it is. They don't really know. Now, after they know it, they might not like it, but then that's a fair discussion. But the first time, you don't really know. Now, where in the world, what was I talking about? Music, Western, quarter tones. Yes, that, that's what it was. So, God, thank you that I was born uh, in, the, in the Western Hemisphere, and I get half steps. I love half steps, God. I love the 13 tones and the 12 tones in the scale. I can deal with the 12 tones. I appreciate that. But Because music does something great for you. When there is a major chord... And it is perfectly in tune. Doesn't it just like, oh. You know, I mean, have you ever been singing and, and, and something's not quite right, but then the person who's singing the third, you're like, bring that down just a little bit. Because the third always needs to be a little bit lower. The piano is not a good note to figure out how to tune things. But when you find that third and you bring it down just a little bit, all of a sudden it opens up and you're like, oh. It just feels better, you know? You just kind of feel better because the third is in tune. I love it when the third is in tune. It's an awesome thing, you know? And so, but then you start adding sevenths to it and you add a major seventh when you can actually sing a major seventh. That's really cool. And I mean, it's just beautiful, you know what I mean? And it can't happen in every situation. I understand that, you know? You don't want to throw your pearls before swine. But then when you can do a major seventh and a major ninth, that's a great thing. It's really beautiful. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you are like, did he just call me a pig? I might have. I might have called you a pig. I don't know. So... But this whole thing, music is so cool because it moves us in a way that nothing else can. Music can bring about an emotional response sometimes that other things don't. And God created it that way and he created us that way. And we're supposed to be moved by music. Now, here is the, the, the tragic thing, and I think that most of you will understand this, is that some people don't hear music the way that we do. And man, that just breaks my heart for them. Now, God gave different gifts to different people, and I understand all that, and I am thankful and greedy for the gift that I have. Uh, God, thank you that I hear music, and I appreciate it, and I love it, because it just moves me, and it's so cool. So, musical worship is so cool. Man, I have so many things to talk to you about. Okay, but this is the thing. For you as a worship leader, it comes down to this. It is not about you. It is not about you. There is a phrase or an idea or a concept that is uttered a lot of times that I believe that we need to purge from our vernacular, from our thought process. And that is that I need to use my gifts to serve the church. 
Now, isn't that biblical? Yeah, that, that's, yeah, absolutely that's biblical. It's in there, right? You should use whatever gifts you have to serve the church and build up the church. But this is what I'm talking about, is when we say, I like serving in this way, therefore, I should be given the right of a place to do whatever gift I have on a Sunday morning, on stage, in front of everybody else, because that's how I feel about the gift that I have. It is a self-focus. It is a pride that, that we have. The other thing that I think gets us sometimes is where we're like, well, I want to get that brother up there because it would really encourage him. Encourage him to what? Encourage him to think about himself. Encourage him to feel good about what he's been given. This is the thing is that when we are serving the church, it is absolutely for someone else's benefit and not for ours. You don't do this for you. Now, this is where the tension comes in because this is a total paradox because as you're growing up as a kid and you're learning how to play your instrument or you're learning how to sing or you're learning how to dance, all these things that you get to do and you're just, you can't wait for everybody to see you. I want to go on stage so that everybody can see me dance and you go to recitals so that everybody can listen to me sing and, you're, and we're trained and in our culture too, fame is such a big thing and we're taught how to sing on stage by watching videos of famous people sing on stage, right? And how do you hold the mic? And how do you do this? And how do you look? And how do you act? And what's it supposed to be like? And, and we say, thank you. And then, and then now I'm treading into very careful waters here, I understand. So, you know, you might be mad at me, but I'm okay with that. But here's the thing is that even this, you know, when, when we have a song leader that comes up on stage and we start cheering for this, are we encouraging them or cheering for them? How do they take it? When a song leader walks up on stage and everybody's like, woo, woo, Jay, yeah, Jay. Well, I mean, good grief. Talk about temptation. I'm on stage. All these people are looking at me, calling out my name. Oh, that feels good. That's really awesome. I am pretty awesome. Yeah. It's funny. We, we started... Um, in the turning point, probably 10 years ago, we, we started really examining uh, some, some of those kind of things and just where our habits come from because church uh, cultural habits are fascinating. Like why, why we do things the way that we do? I ask that question all the time now. Well, why? We're doing it this way. Why? And if you really stop to think about it, sometimes, I don't know, it's just because we've always done it that way. Okay, well, that's fine, but is it the best way and could there be another way? Could we actually approach this in a different way? What if we did? Let's examine it. Let's look at it. And maybe we're going to stay with what we have, but what if we wanted to change? That, that would be cool. So we, we started this, you know, I, I think in, the, in, in, the, um, in, in our church fellowship, a lot of times you'd have a preacher and they would preach. And then after the preacher preaches, then you have someone get up and go, man, thank you, Jay, for that message. That was awesome. And here's what I got out of that message. And then we go over the three points that they just talked about that you should have written down in your notes. But then we're going we're gonna to say them again. And then we're going to give a round of applause. And we were like, why do we want to do that in that moment and honor the preacher what what if we didn't do that what if we were trying to make our services so that the focus is always on God and as we talk about what just what that preacher just preached about what if it was about like man you know what I just learned about God was this and I'm so grateful to God for what he's done for me and if we keep the focus always on God rather than on ourselves 
Now, I remember talking about this at a, uh, we had an evangelist retreat, I think it was in 2006 or 2007, and I shared that we've started doing this. And the response back was crickets. You know, I mean, they're just like, it's because it's such a foreign thing. Once you've started down a road and you gain a tradition, it feels right to do that. And then you teach other people to do that. I think we do the same thing with worship leaders. And I'm not, I'm, you know, Soma. Soma walked up tonight and everybody was like, Soma, Soma, because it's awesome. You love Soma. Everybody loves Soma. Right? And it's cool. Now, there's, there, is the, there is the pure-hearted part of that where, where someone walks up a stage, you're like, Soma, that's cool. Soma, you know what I mean? Like you're excited to see him. And it's awesome. You know what I mean? There, there's that. But then, it, but then it also, is this just habit for us? Where we cheer for the person who's on stage rather than cheering for God? What, what if you guys were, and this is the thing, if you're going to change it in your churches, you have to change it in your heart first. You have to be okay with walking on stage and nobody calls your name. Nobody claps for you. And maybe after church, nobody says, that was an awesome song, brother. Thank you for that. And maybe you're wrapping up cables and you're twisting them the right way and nobody says anything. And then you go home and no, <laughs> nobody says anything. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with not getting praise from men? Are you okay with pouring out your life every Sunday morning and having nobody recognize it except for God? Are you okay with that? What, what if we changed that? And what if it became this, where this was how we felt all the time? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others, your congregation, above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. When you stand up on this stage, you're not here for you. And it is an intentional paradigm shift in your mind to go, I got my guitar, but I am not here for me. And I'm going to rock out for Jesus, but this is not about me. This is about God. And can I be moved and inspired by the Holy Spirit right now, but not call attention to myself, but still encourage other people to be inspired by God? This is a big deal, guys, that you were trying to do. Those of you that are on stage, this is hard stuff. And it is a road that is fraught with potential problems of where you are going to mess it up. And you're going to mess it up every week, and then you're going to pray, and you're going to try to repent, and then you're going to talk about it, and then the next week you'll try it again, and you'll try it. And your whole life as a worship leader, probably you're going to be going, God, purify my heart so that this is not about me, but only about you. Because this isn't something that you do right. Oh, I was doing it wrong and now I can shift and now it's all right. No, we have sin all the time in our heart. And as a performer, if you've got any performer in you, you're going to have pride in there as well. So it's a, daily, it's a weekly thing, daily thing of coming up on stage and crucifying that part of you that wants to be a performer. And instead, God, I just want to give this all to you. Now, it's difficult to do. So that's why we always talk about the tension of it. You know, we've, I've been talking about this probably every week for the last 12, 13 years with our worship team. Every Sunday morning we talk about it and we pray about it and we try to get, get through it and get to it. Okay, what, what am I going to talk to you about next? This is so exciting because I can't remember. Um, <laughs> our, our goal as worship leaders, I have something very, very profound for you. Are you ready? Our goal as worship leaders is this. It's coming. To lead people to worship. Now, I did a lot of study and research on this to try to figure out with worship leader, I'm leading worship. But I'm not just leading worship, I'm leading people to worship. I'm leading my brothers and sisters to worship. I'm bringing them along with me and I'm asking them, come with me, this is so awesome. 
So if you're going to lead someone to worship, how do you do that? There's, there's only one way that you can do it. It's if you have your own vibrant and excited personal worship life. You cannot lead someone else to do what you are not doing on your own. If you accept the responsibility of coming on stage and leading people to worship, and, and really, I'd like to get the word song leader out of our vocabulary as well. You're not a song leader. You are a worship leader. If you're on the drums, you are a worship leader. If you're playing piano, you are a worship leader because you are leading people to worship. You are creating the environment for them to be able to worship. You have to worship God yourself. You have to come in every Sunday bowing down before the throne of God and already moved by the cross. Now there's a tension because Sunday mornings happen early and you have to get there early. And those of you that are on the tech team and on the setup crew and on the, you, you're bringing it, you're parking the trailer, bringing everything in. If you have not had time with God, then I don't know if God is blessing your work. I'm not talking about just making everything work. I'm just talking about blessing. This whole thing that we do is a sacred thing. Setting up the speakers is a sacred thing. Making everything work, it's a sacred thing. Because why? There are people that will walk through the doors of your church that are hurting, that are hopeless, that may be coming in saying, I'm giving God one last chance. And you have the opportunity to help open up their hearts so that they might decide that they will give God that chance. So it is a big deal what we do. This is not a little concert. This is not just music for our music's sake. This is someone's eternal salvation. How you set up the speakers, how you interact with one another, how the, 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 the sound crew and the band treats one another. So funny. Man, just historically, um, sound men are the most underthanked and, and misunderstood people on the face of the planet, I think. I mean, that is, that, that is a thankless job. Because nobody notices when the sound is right. They, they really don't. I mean, if, if the sound is good, it's kind of like, well, it's what it's supposed to be. I mean, we all have this mentality, like, finally, you did your job. You know, but I mean, those guys, if it's not right, or if there's feedback, or if it's too loud, what do you immediately do? You're like, looking back at the sound. <laughs> and especially when you're on stage, and that, you know, the diva in us that is on stage, you're like, <sighs> like they're supposed to understand that somehow. You know, I mean, that, that, that is a hard thing. But it also... And, and, you know, and I, I, I love sound guys. I've always had great relationships with our sound guys, but I've figured out over the years, too, that they are a very unique brand of people. And, uh, and, and I say that with all love and just a little bit of sarcasm. Because it's, you know, I mean, it's just, there, there's, there, there's, there's something about sound guys, they, they like that. They like putting it all together. We're going to make it all work and just gonna do this. And if you don't allow them to put their little tinker toys together in the right way, that's, this is not good. You know what I mean? And so it's, but if you come in thinking that this is all about me, then there's going to be conflict. And so that goes back to worship. How are you treating the other people that you work with? Are you all coming in worshiping? So we come in and we, uh, we actually have a devotional every Sunday. I'll talk about that a little bit more. But we have a devotional every Sunday with our tech team, uh, or our sound crew, our tech arts crew, and then uh, everybody on the, on the worship team, the musicians. And we get together and we pray. And I always stop us and I pray that we understand and we remember the cross. Because, man, you can get going so fast, and especially if you're running late. 
I mean, you're coming in, you're late. All right, guys, man, okay, we could only get in at nine o'clock this morning. We got to move. And I mean, you're all hurrying and you're moving. And okay, all right, come here, let's pray. God, thank you very much. Love you. Okay, you say, and, and, but it's, you're moving and you don't, I, I, sometimes I've been like, I don't, I don't care if we're late. We're going to stop and we're going to go to the cross. Because otherwise it, does, it doesn't matter, you know. And, and I'll, I'll lead us in a prayer just to remind us where we came from and what happened. And this is when, like, the adrenaline's going, your energy's going, you're ready to go, and, like, the, you know, hundreds of people out there, I'm okay, we got to go. But no, stop. God, thank you for bringing us out of darkness, calling us out of darkness into the light. God, thank you for granting us repentance. Thank you that I'm not living the life that I would have been living had you not allowed me to become a Christian. I mean, if you don't remember that before you walk on stage to sing 10,000 Reasons... I mean, you got to remember those 10,000 reasons. You know what I mean? You got to remember who you would have been or what would have been going on in your life. You got to remember the, the, the people that you offended, the, 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 the people that you hurt. You got to remember the sins that you have committed and what you have been forgiven for. You got to remember that you are walking in under grace and that you've got this moment of like, God, thank you for saving me. Then when you come out and sing 10,000 reasons, you may not be able to sing because you are crying. And that's what it should be. It should be worship. And then if there's a song of celebration, you cannot contain yourself because you're celebrating because you have been saved. But if you don't prepare yourself in that way, then you are missing the role of the worship leader. You've got to have your personal worship on. So, I want to share with you some of our guiding principles that we do. But I want to give you a caveat. These may not necessarily fit you or your church. And they may not be the best ones. You probably have come up with some in your church and your situation that are much better and that I would like to adopt for us as well. But I just want to share with you what we have gone through and kind of how we structure our thinking. And then if you can gain anything from it, hopefully that that will help you as we go through it. So here's the first one. We already talked about it. These are just, I mean, I just have a file of these things. So I just took them and kind of pasted them in. So music does not equal worship, but it's a very special expression of our ongoing lifestyle of worship. This one I love. We point people to God and then we get out of the way. I say that every Sunday. We point people to God and then we get out of the way. You need to have enough energy and engagement with your church and with your congregation that they are inspired by your energy and your worship and your passion, but but not so much that then they focus on you and go, wow, look at him. Oh, that brother can sing. It doesn't matter if you can sing. It matters if they're worshiping God. So you have to be able to submit your need for approval and having people hear how awesome you are to their need for God. And that's so much more important. Here's another one. Everything is an experiment. And this is one of our key values, our core values with our whole church. Everything is an experiment. You know, we're going to try something. It may work. It may not work. And we've said this enough times with our people that when we try something new in our church, people are like, all right, it's an experiment. Let's see what, let's see what happens. Because sometimes if you try to change something in a church, man, people freak out. Have you noticed that? You try to change the music or what you do. If you only do two songs instead of three, it's like Jesus is not coming back anymore. We have offended him, you know. <laughs> Everything is an experiment. We're going to try it. We're going to see if it works. And I'm going to try it maybe five or six times. And I'm going to see if it works. And then I'll make a decision. And so you can do that. Everything's an experiment. Preparation is worship too. How you prepare your heart and your mind is worship. Here's some more guiding principles. And these start to get a little bit more specific. And this is where I'm really 
Whew, okay, the vision and style, this is important. The vision and style of our worship services are guided by the vision of the lead evangelist and where he wants the church to go. Amen. You serve your leader. You are not the leader. And as a worship leader, what your role is, is to go, what does my leader want us to do? What is his vision for our church? How does he want it to feel? And then I will make that happen. That's how I've always done it. I've always asked Kevin, what do you want our church to feel like? What do you want people to be able to do? And he says, I I just want it to feel like this. Now, Kevin is also um, uh, able to not try to micromanage in the sense that he tells me, you need to do this song and this song and this song and like this. He's able to say, this is what I want it to feel like. And maybe you can have a conversation with your evangelist like that. Just tell tell me what you want the spirit and the feel to be. And then let me go pray about it and see if I have any ideas about how I could accomplish that for you. And then, then you bring it back and you have a discussion. And he may or may not feel good about it, but, that's, but, but at least you're approaching it with, with respect. And you're honoring him in the way that you are, are, are coming to it. Because, because this, guys, this is his, it's his church. It's Christ's church. We all know that. You understand what I'm saying? This is his church. This is not yours to decide, well, we need to do it like this. And this is where pride comes in and we get all tripped up. It's when we think, no, I need, it needs to be like this. I'm, I'm the musician. I'm a better musician than our evangelist. He doesn't even know music. Who is he to tell me what kind of stuff to do? I want to do it the way I want to do it. And we can, we can go there and it's, it's so dangerous for us to do that. Even if it's true. (laughs) You might be right. You might be way more musically gifted and talented than your evangelist. You might know better what would help the church. But until he trusts you to fulfill his vision and not yours, you'll never have the chance to see if it'll actually work. And it all goes back to Philippians 2, doesn't it? Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but only what is useful. No, I just flipped over to Ephesians 4.29. I combined them. There you go. That's what happens. That's apparent for you, right? You're tugging your kids. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Ephesians 4. Useful. Good for training. Stop it. Okay. Sorry. Um, you have to trust your evangelist. And your main goal should be like, Kent, how do I honor him by helping him accomplish what he wants to accomplish? And if it's not the song that you want, guess what? When you're in heaven, you'll get to sing the song that you want. <laughs> now, I say that as a joke, but then I want you to really think about this. Aren't, aren't we going to be in heaven for a long time? And if there's something you don't get while you're here on earth, won't you get it in heaven? I mean, or at least have the opportunity, hopefully, unless it's sin, right? So you're, you're going to be able to do that. There is not a right way. There is not a right way to have a musical worship service. There is not a biblical way to have a musical worship service on Sunday. In fact, Sunday morning worship services are not biblical. If we want to go all the way there. That's not biblical. That was not commanded in the Bible. That's just kind of how we figured out this is, gonna, this is what works. This is what works for us to be able to fulfill the commands that are in the Bible. And this is how we do it. And it's a great thing and it's a beautiful thing. And then we get to do worse. So how do, how do you do music? Is it this song or this song? Is it this style or this style? There's no right way. Does it honor God in the way that you approach it? So whether it's five-part singers across the front and acapella singing or whether it's the full band and everything, it's really loud or one guy with a ukulele. 
Soma! Soma! Yeah. Are you worshiping in spirit and in truth? Are you worshiping in his spirit and in truth? And that, that's what you always want to bring yourself back to. Okay, another guiding principle. There we go. There it is. Okay, now the Sunday worship experience has a very unique and important role in evangelism. Don't be held hostage by meeting the needs of the saved. We're trying to keep them happy. There can be a lot of discussion and argument within a church about you've got some of your, your key opinion leaders in your church that really like a particular song or a particular style of song. And they can, can be very adamant about that. And all of a sudden, the discussion becomes about sin. You know, out in the, in the, in, in the religious world in America, uh, differences about music are one of the greatest causes of church splits. Churches will split. People will refuse to worship with one another because they have different opinions about the style of music. So what do we have to do? We have to hold on to humility. We will not argue about this stuff. And this, this is where, you, I mean, definitely your evangelists and your, your leaders of your church and your elders are going to have to, you know, grasp that concept and hold on to it. You know, just because somebody in the, in, in the church likes something a particular way does not mean that that's what needs to happen. You have to look at your Sunday morning worship experience in terms of how can we be evangelistically effective here. What is actually going to help someone who walks in? Now, we want it to be worshipful and we want to worship together, but it also needs to be helpful for a guest who is coming in that maybe has never you know, been in church before or has had bad experiences with church or something else. You've got to think about how does this all work? I could go on. That's, that's like a whole day's workshop right there. So I'm just going to go on rather than keep talking about it. But you can ask me questions. Don't compare. We are who we are. Do not compare yourself to another church to my church, to anyone else's church. Don't look at it and go, oh, we need to be like that. No, you don't. You need to be like you. Yes. You need to be like, who are you? Who did God make you to be? What are the strengths that you have in your church? What is the personality of your church? Be that. And that honors God. When you are you, that honors God, which I think is a really cool thing. And that, that's been, honestly, that's been something that, that I've had to fight against uh, because there, there is such a strong pull sometimes uh, in religious circles for things to be uniform and for it to look the same. And if you want to do something different, but everyone else isn't doing that different thing, then it can be looked upon as sin. It's not sin. And so just because it's different, like you've got to figure out who it is, who are you? Okay, I'm not going to keep going. Do only what we can do well. Do only what we can do well. There, in, in the turning point, I don't do a lot of gospel. I have people in my church who, would, who are clamoring for gospel music and would love for us to do gospel music. But the truth is, with the musicians that I have and the singers that I have, we would not do it well. And I love gospel music. There's, there's some great stuff. But we would not do it well. And if we're not going to do it well, I will not do it. Would it help people if we had a really great gospel? Some people would be really encouraged, absolutely. But they also might be discouraged if we did it poorly. Here's the thing is that non-musicians can feel if the music isn't good, but they don't know what they're feeling. They just feel like. You know, it's just that something's not right here. And people can just feel it. So don't try to do something that you're not good at. 
If you don't have a drummer that can play that kind of music, then don't play that kind of music. If you don't have a bass player that, that, that plays great R&B stuff, then don't do R&B stuff. Do what you can do well. Because if, it, if, it is really, if it's done well, people appreciate it. Non-musicians appreciate it if it's done well. Now this also goes into, there's a whole thing about sound and technology and things like that. I mean, the sound guys have a, this is, this is a very important role for all of you that are involved in tech stuff. Making, making it sound good is very, very important. And musicians, you need to understand that, that the sound guy's job is out there. He's supposed to be making you sound good. And so if he's out there going, this doesn't sound good because the guitar is so loud. I, I don't even have him up on the board. The guitar's got to turn, turn down so we can actually hear something out here. And they come up and tell you to turn down. Their responsibility is to do that gently and with respect. Your responsibility is gently and with respect. Say, I'd be happy to turn down. You've got to work together on that kind of thing. But then a sound guy has to be able to figure out what's the goal. Our goal is for the congregation to sing and to connect with God and to worship God. If the music is too loud, then the congregation won't sing as much. If they're not directed to sing, they won't sing as much. I'm going to talk about that in a minute too. But if, the, if, if everything is about you and the music, then it's not going to happen. I thought, who's the drummer who's playing today? Here you go, Ernie. Great job. Great job this morning. I thought that was great. He's, play, he's playing with his blastics and he was not loud. And, uh, and it, it, was, it was great. I thought it was perfect. And so that, that's how you work together. Is he capable of playing louder? Yeah. But he didn't today. Now, I, that may be a can of worms I'm opening up. I have no idea, but I'm just going to move on. Today it was good. That's all, that's all I know. Here's another one of our guiding principles. I want my singers on stage to sing on the mics as little as possible. And uh, you guys did that a lot today, which I think is really good. Now, to explain, what, here's what I mean by that. I want our church to sing. We are not performing for our church. I want our church to sing. We are helping the church to be able to sing. So we lead them so that they will start singing. And then as soon as they're singing, we don't have to sing anymore. And it's really great. I'm talking about on the mics, okay? Now, you, the microphones are a tool that you use to, so that people can hear you and follow you. But once they're following you and they're off and running, let them go. And, it, and it's great. And it's a beautiful thing. And so I, I, uh, I've given you, I found a couple, um, there it is, okay. I found a couple clips uh, of our recent services just to kind of give you an example of, of what this looks like for us uh, as we're going into it. So let me see if this will work, if the sound is up. Back. Church, sing this out. You give life. It's a great thing, but then there's those other moments where you need to hold back a little bit and let, let them go. But then the job of a leader is to step in. If they're going to feel insecure, like, wait, what's the next line? Then you have to lead them and give them that next line. Or you have to sing it for them as they come in. So they're like, okay, good, I feel safe again. Because that's the thing is when you, when you don't really know what's going on, you don't feel safe. Let me give you another one. You got it? Thank you. Singing, then she can back off and let it go. 
Let him hear you. Let him hear you sing it out all of my life. And she comes back in as the, as the, as the intensity starts to build. And she goes that way. Good. Let's see if I can go to the next one. Go to the next one for me. Good. contemporary music like this, if you're doing that, then you want to use that contemporary music, you want to use the power of the drums and the guitars and everything else. You want to use that power to create emotion so that people are moved and then you want to give them that space to sing it out and so that you can hear the whole church singing together. And it's so good. If the band breaks down and you're still on the mic, he loves us. They don't need to hear that. You know what I mean? They, they need to be singing. They need to be doing that on their own. Give them the room to do that. Now, here's just a little, a, another little tri- tip about that, though, is you got to be careful that when the band is building up and they're going to break down, you, the church has got to sing loud. So you got to lead them loudly into it. What can happen sometimes is the band breaks down and then you go back to, he loves us. And then everyone starts to feel insecure and they don't know how to sing loud. you got to get them to sing loud. So whatever it is, because those are the moments when the band gets soft is when you want the church to sing loud. And that's for those of us that are doing contemporary music. Let me see what's next. Uh... Uh, might as well. This is a great one. I love this one. And this right here. So here's uh, Mike Jackson, one of our singers, Grammy-nominated recording artist, vocalist, incredible guy, uh, totally amazing singer, but he does not feel the need to sing and let people hear him. I will rise Why? Because he's worshiping. He's got that, in that moment, he's praying to God, he's letting God move him. People are so moved by that in that moment. On eagles wings before my God follow. Okay, let's go on. So I wanted I wanted to share with you these I asked I asked my worship team this week. Uh, hmm. Okay, let me do this. I I, I I asked my worship team this week to send me a lot of quotes about how they feel about our worship, but I don't have time to give, give it all to you. So I'm going to crank through it. Marshall, can you actually do that for me? Go down to the slide that says uh, peek under the hood. It says peek under the hood. It's got a heading at the top. There we go. All right. So I'm going I'm to talk through you just some specific things that we do. I wish I had time to do that other stuff because it's really cool. All right. This may or may not help you, but I'm trying to give you some ideas of what you can do that will help your team. I have what I call a song frequency grid, and I think that's a very fancy title. My song frequency grid looks like this, and this is for those of you that actually plan out your service. So I've got all my songs and a list and then a grid, and I've got the dates, and I know what songs I'm going to do on what day, so I can go through and check out and go, okay, I haven't done this one in six weeks, and it's time to do it again. Uh, So that actually really helps me. Now, you can see here, these two that are highlighted in yellow, these are new ones for us. 
And so the Lord our God, I did it two weeks in a row. When I introduce a new song, I like to do it two weeks in a row, then take a week off and do it another week, and then take a week off and do it another week, and then take two weeks off and do it, and then three weeks off. So I kind of spread it out like that. It worked out a little bit differently this time, but you see I got two weeks in a row on the Lord our God, then two weeks in a row on my heart is yours, and then I'm going to come back next week for the Lord our God. So that's just one, one of the ways that I, I think about that. You can ask me about that later. I always print out a worship uh, order like this and give it to everybody so everybody knows who the singer is and who the background vocals are so that they can be prepared when they come in on Sunday morning. Um, other, some other things that we do. I have all my MP3s and my charts on Dropbox and um, so that everybody and everybody has that. I just kind of make it like if, if you don't know how to use Dropbox, uh, then you can't be on the worship team. That's just kind of like, I, uh, no, I'm serious. Like this is, this is how we do this. So if you're not able to figure it out, then, then you can't be a part of our team. Go figure it out. So they, they can do that. People can do that. They just have to be motivated. People can do stuff. Come on, they can do stuff. Um, vo- vocal rehearsals, uh, I'll have vocal rehearsals every Sunday morning. Our service starts at 11. So I have 8.30 as our vocal rehearsal. We'll rehearse for about 45 minutes. But we also have a choir. And so I'll put together some videos like this. Brian does this all the time. This is great. But I'll just put together uh, you know, a video like this and I post it on YouTube. All of them are so posted this is on you YouTube. My world. Uh, so that and our choir can come on and listen to woes. it and learn all their parts. And the woes sound like, like this. One, two, three. Uh, uh. Just like Brian teaches the parts, we go through the soprano, we go through the alto, we go through the tenor and get through all there. So next slide, another peek under the hood, something else that we do. Um, Come on, can you hit the button for me? Thank you. All right, we will occasionally have full band rehearsals, uh, but, but it's because the, the level of the musicians that I have, I expect them to come in on Sunday totally prepared and ready to go. So we will have occasional full band rehearsals or rhythm section only rehearsals, which help us. Next slide. Uh, we'll have our rehearsal is Sunday morning. So 8.30 is our vocal rehearsal. 9.15 is our devotional. Lasts until 9.30. At 9.30 we start rehearsing. We go from 9.30 to 10.30. And then hopefully we're done at 10.30. And then our service starts at 11. Next one. Uh, we have Sunday morning devotionals. That's for everyone. Our tech crew, our sound crew, everybody is there. Even though they got there early, they already set up. I expect them to come and be a part of the devotional because we all are on the same team and are providing this opportunity for our people together. Next one. Taking the time out for spiritual or personal Sabbath, very important. If someone's not doing well spiritually, take a break. Take a break. If you're just burnt out, take a break. You, you go, go, go take a break for a month or two months or three months. What do you need to be able to get closer to God? And so we're, we, I really encourage people to do that all the time. Um, so here's where I want to end this with you guys right now, is this passage. Because as a worship leader, and like I said, all those things, those are just some things that we do that hopefully spur some ideas in you of how your team can grow a little bit more. Uh, But in 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, I want to give you a little caveat or a little redirection on this passage because letting nothing move you does not mean getting your way. It does not mean that you go and fight against your evangelist about, no, we have to do this song and I will not let anything move me. No. Let nothing move you away from humility. Let nothing move you away from love and mutual submission. Let nothing move you away from this incredible privilege and need that we have to help people worship God and help people actually come closer to Him. That work is not in vain. That work is what God will bless. That determination 
that refusal to think about self, but instead to think about others, is what God will bless. So thank you for letting me share all this with you guys today. Should we clap for him? No, no. Don't don't say anything about it, yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right, well, uh, we just wanted to kind of, I want to sort of represent all of you in asking Jay some questions, and uh, and then if you have some specific questions, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk a little bit, banter a little bit, and then um, we're going to have discussion groups. And uh, Jay has some questions for us that we'll discuss with the people just right around you. Um, just want to say we're, we're not going to really take a, a break because we just want to keep plowing through. So if you feel a need for a personal break uh, to uh, uh, whatever, um, you can do that. I, I, I assume there's restrooms out there. Uh, really appreciate Paulette bringing all these refreshments uh, and the presentation. I told her, um, I told her if I would have brought it, it would have been like, in the container, you know, on the, the plain, you know, table or whatever. So she, she did a great job. So, uh, but we're going to just keep moving along here with, uh, I'm just going to ask Jay some stuff and, uh, hopefully you're getting a lot out of this. I know I certainly am. Amen. This is really good stuff. Um, I do want to say, you know, part of the reason I wanted Jay to come is, uh, he has been one of the, the most influential people in my life in terms of worship ministry and, uh, just one of my favorite people. I love hanging out with Jay. Uh, being a full-time minister, you know, I've been in the ministry since 2000, and um, especially early in the ministry, I've, you know, I'm, I'm a little different than kind of the average minister uh, that was around in the L.A. church in, you know, 2002, and so mm-hmm. I always felt like, oh, Jay's like me, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I could re- kind of relate to him in our temperament and stuff, yeah. and, uh, and really, he's been a mentor in terms of, of, of worship ministry and all that we're doing, so, so uh, really, really thankful for his influence in my life. I also got to say, uh, one of the absolute most influential people in my life is right here, Greg Moretzky, you guys might not know, yeah. and uh, he... Uh, Greg, uh, Greg uh, did our wedding, my wife and I, and uh, uh, actually that's the reason I'm in L.A., because Greg asked me to move here to help, uh, help build the church here in L.A., and I've been here 23 years. I'm really grateful, but, um, but doing music in the church back uh, when I was a freshman in college and, and, uh, and senior in high school, we didn't have uh, bands in church then. It was kind of like against the rules, but right. Greg, Greg bent the rules for me. And uh, we did a lot of music back then, and Greg had a huge impact on my life. So thank you so much, Greg. It's a special treat to have you here today. He came with the guys from Bakersfield, and yeah. he's leading the Bakersfield Church now. So really appreciate having Antelope Greg Valley, back in, right? in, in, in Antelope Valley. Uh, Antelope Valley, I'm sorry. Uh, so anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh, so I wanted to ask you some questions, Jay. Um, you said a lot of great stuff that was really, really good. But um, one thing, I know you mentioned about the balance between voices of the church and the band. Right. And we have definitely experienced that. Uh, and I've seen that in a lot of churches where you, you, you add more stuff upstage and it gets more complicated and everything you add adds more volume. Right. And, um, I've seen where like, um, you know, I've been to some kind of evangelical type event of events, you know, like a, a concert or whatever, where it's so loud, I'm enjoying it, but I'm, they're saying to sing, but I, I mean, I've experienced it myself. Like, I'm singing, but it's like, I might as well not be singing because I can't even hear myself. Right. And so, 
I, I've seen that phenomenon where if it's really loud, people aren't singing as much. So how do you balance that? What, what, I mean, I know you do where the band breaks down, but what, what kind of conversation do you have with your tech team? I mean, Ben and I were talking about it this morning. I mean, Ben does an awesome job. Like I said, he set all this up in like half an hour. But even when we did that sound check, we were really loud. So we're like, Ben and I are talking, so what can we do? Because we really want to hear the voices, and mm-hmm. uh, I really want to hear them singing, and, and, which is his objective as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seemed like it got better when we you know, started singing and stuff. But anyway, what, what, what kind of conversations do you have, and how do you, how do, you do that? How do you... Well, it's, just a, it, it's a constant conversation because the, the temptation, and it's not like a temptation, like a sin temptation, but just the easy path, the path of least resistance is, man, we're just going to get loud. Because it's fun. I mean, you got an electronic instrument. Good grief, turn it up and let them go. It's cymbals, it's bass, you know what I mean? And so you, you have that feeling, and it's fun when it feels like a concert. There's a, there's a fun element to it. And so you want that fun element, but then you always just have to be mindful. So someone has to be mindful of that. And I think the, 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 the worship leader, whoever is in charge, always has to be thinking that. You know, and I have my, my wife, Tracy, is, is my partner in that because she'll always, she'll come up right behind me and she'll, you know, she'll go, it's too loud. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and so I, I have that, you know, someone who will help me with that. And also, and then, then I work really closely with, with our sound person. It's a, uh, it, it's a sister. She's awesome. Uh, but, you know, I'll always ask her, I'll stop the band and go, Shauna, how's our stage volume? How are we doing volume wise? Uh, but then, so there, there's that part of it that you always have to be looking out for. But then, too, just the arrangements. Like, you know, you, you want to think through your arrangements because some songs, they're just loud. You know what I mean? They're, they're just big, loud songs. If you're doing contemporary worship, uh, worship music, then some songs are just loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can have that. But then always find, try to find something in the arrangement where the, the, the band breaks down and it's just the drums or just the guitar. You know, I'll try to rework the arrangement so that we always have, have that moment somewhere in, in almost every, every song. I, that's my goal. It probably doesn't work every single time, yeah. but that's, that, that's what I'd like to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know and we, then it's, it's just the, all, the constant reminding the, the singers. I say it every week. Get off the mic. Get off the mic. And pull yeah. off the mic as much as you can. Okay. You know. I know you, you, it was great the way you put it. You know, do what works for your church and we're not the same. And just because we're doing this in Turning Point. And you and I have had that conversation many times. You know, just because we do this in Turning Point, that's what works for us. But not everybody needs to do the same thing. We do mm-hmm. a lot of songs that, that I was introduced to by you. But then there's other songs that you guys do that just totally don't work for us because of the, I mean, like you said, the level of your musicians, uh, the level of our musicians is great as well. I don't want to, they're all here. <laughs> How do I say this? Careful, careful. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. We can't do some of the stuff you do as well as you do it. Um, but we also, I mean, our, our group really enjoys still, uh, you know, some of the classic kingdom songs, you know, like right. the Men Who Dream or the, uh, you know, the, we, we also do a lot of hymns still. We probably have about one hymn per Sunday. Some churches have almost all hymns, so right. it's kind of different. Right. Um, but uh, my question was, as you move to like this other styles of, I mean, because you guys made a, a decision. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but you guys made a decision to go, we're going to not use a songbook. We're going to just do this one kind of genre, not one genre, but. Uh, one kind of vein, I guess. Mm-hmm. Of, of, uh, one question I have about that is, uh, what happens to, like, at the baptism or a leaders meeting or a house church worship or, you know, those types of places, are there, do they sing the newer songs but, like, just kind of stripped down or do they still, like, sing, like, We Will Glorify or, 
Amazing Grace or, you know what I mean? Like right. what happens in those smaller settings? Because I think that's really important, obviously, to keep, keep that, you know, that the church doesn't feel like, oh, we need a worship band in order to be able to right. sing a song right. at a baptism or a leaders meeting or whatever. So what, right. what, what, what's that? I, I don't think we've talked about that before. No, we haven't. Thank you for asking and putting me on the spot. With <laughs> it. That's great. Um, you know, because I, 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 I do think this, this is such a personal uh, and, and it's very much an opinion matter and a, and a stylistic thing. And so, like I was saying, there's not a right or wrong with right, it. Totally. Um, I think that we, you know, just based on, on Kevin's thought and Kevin's direction and the, the way that we've gone, we, we, we do operate in a certain way. So when we do have the smaller things, there's usually somebody with a guitar. I got a lot of guitar players in our church, and they always bring their guitars, and they love it. And so, okay. you know, we'll, we'll have somebody with, with a guitar that will, that will play something. And, and we're, we're finding the songs that... You know, just like, just like for people who have been around the ICOC for 20 years, Men Who Dream holds a very special place in their heart. But, and, 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 it, and it connects you with, uh, with memories in this conference and what we were doing. And, there's, there's, so, but, and then in, on a smaller context, in, in, uh, in the turning point, we're finding those songs that have that, you know, meaning to us as well. And so in, in those smaller settings, in those smaller moments, we usually will go to those songs because that, that's when, when we came through this time period, we were really singing this song a lot. That's what helped us. Came to My Rescue is one of those that, you know, we, we don't do it. You know, I do it maybe two or three times a year now, but it, it has such a special place in our heart or better is one day because when we were really learning and singing those songs, it helped us through a particular uh, phase in our church, you know. Yeah. So, we'll, yeah, we'll just do those usually acoustically or stripped down or even a cappella. You know, okay. I mean, that, that happens a lot, too. Okay, cool. Um, how do you decide what to do about keys? Because I know, like, um, this is a thing we're trying to figure out all the time, too, because I think what I've realized, like, Tomlin is an, is an alto. Yeah. And... Uh, and Israel Hooten is an alto. Or a soprano, yeah, it's and crazy. So I think, and, most, and most women are altos. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think part of, of, of their appeal is that, you know, you have these big churches and all the women are loving it because it's right in the alto range. Yeah. And then the guys, I don't know, they're sort of maybe singing along a little bit, mm-hmm. but not as much, you know. And it seems, you know, so, so we'll typically lower those songs, um, you know, to, to kind of be a little more, you know, in a, in a soprano where the guys can, it's like a more of a singable melody range, and then we add the, the, the harmonies. But sometimes I don't know what to do, you know, with the, with the key. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed like at teen camp, when, Jay leads a worship at our teen camp, and yeah. it's almost like everyone is belting out um, the song. It's amazing. And it's all the same pitch. Like the guys mm-hmm. and girls are singing the guys are singing high, the girls are singing low, right. and it's all the same note, which is kind of against, I grew up like, we got to keep harmony, we got to you know, make sure we have four-part harmony and all that stuff, right. and I love four-part harmony, but then I've also seen the power of Teen Camp where all these you know, 400 kids are screaming a kind of a high-pitched song. Musically all, screaming. Musically Mus- screaming, musically, just, right. I mean, and it's so moving, it's so powerful. Right. So I, I really like both, but, but, right. uh, but I wanted to ask you about the key thing. Like what, kind of dis- what goes through your mindset as you're trying to figure out, should we change this pitch or should we keep it where it is or what? Um, yeah, that, it's, it's always a, a tricky thing. I think I try to figure out if guys can sing, like what's the highest that I could put this so that, the, so that most guys can sing it. And then, you know, you'll always have some guys that are going to want to sing bass 
or sing the melody an octave down, no, no matter, no matter where, what the pitch is, they just feel more comfortable. You know, our God is greater. Our God. That just, they, they just feel comfortable that way. Um, and so, you know, so I, yeah, I'll, I will usually bring it down some. Um, and then I'll, I will work with, with different leaders. And even in some songs, I'll have sometimes, uh, I, I like the pitch of the chorus. If, if a guy is going to sing it higher, like if he's going to belt it, it's up in that, you know, maybe like uh, A to E range, yeah. right? But for the verses, it, it, it would be way too, you know, it's low for a guy to much. sing. And so I'll have, I'll have one of, the, one of the, the sisters sing the sing the melody and sing the chorus the first time and then, then have the guy sing it the next time where it's higher. You know, so that it, musically it, 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 it sounds good, but then it's still kind of normal and average for the congregation. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of the contemporary stuff doesn't always quite work. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and then, but some of it does. And, and the, but sometimes the benefit that you get from... Uh, from even having the song, even if it's really high, is worth not having some of the guys be able to sing it up that high. Because of the power and energy when right. it's in that pitch range. Right. Okay. That's so good. I don't know if I answered that. That was a... no. That's helpful to just kind of think about um, when uh, with the harmony. Uh, that just brings up the question: do you, Do you ever try to teach the church harmonies, or do you just see if that you know just kind of teach them the song? I just teach them the song. Okay. Yeah, and then um, we, you know, we we've got people that are that are singing harmony parts, and so they they're able to just kind of follow along with right, that. Right, because they can follow. Yeah. Because we we do we do ha- have like midweeks where we'll teach, you know, all the parts or whatever. But then I I always it's hard to tell how much they hang on to it, you know. And right. people love it, so I, I think we're going to keep doing it. But I was just curious if you ever even have that as an objective. Do you want to hear them singing in harmony out there, or is it more you just want to hear them singing in that? Yeah, I probably, I would, I would love them to sing in harmony. I mean, I'm a, I'm a classically trained musician. I grew up in the Mainline Church of Christ. I was in an 800-member church when I was a kid, and they would always come in every year and videotape us, all of our singing. You know, I mean, we'd have a big singing worship, you know. And, so, and I yeah. love singing harmony. I know how to do it. I lo- I'd love to, to be a part of it and do it. I think we have just, you know, made the, made the choice to focus more on what I want more for this church right now and who we're reaching out to and the area of the city that we're in and the kind of people that, that we're getting. Yeah. I, want, I just want them... If they will sing with all their heart and get moved, that's yeah. a win for me. Yeah, and, that's uh, good. So, how do you determine that in terms of who you're trying to reach in the area of the city? What, I mean, what what kind of what went into that process of, like, was that your leadership group? Was that yes. you and Kevin? And, and just going, okay, who are we? Who do we need to reach? And what you know, what kind of research did you do? Or what? Well, it's uh, a couple different things that we looked at, and this is just church leadership stuff. Is is trying to figure out who who do we need to focus on? And obviously, God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. We know that, but there's a lot of you know di- different people in different settings, and so we have uh, as we're looking at the makeup of our church, we've got a lot of people now who are kind of in in our demographic, who are in their 30s and their 40s, and, and they've got kids, and then we've got a lot of kids coming up. Um, but not at, at, uh, you know, the same ratio of young millennial people. And we realize if we don't get that next generation, if we don't make a church that is relevant and speaking to this 22-year-old kid who is dealing with his fatherlessness issues and you know, dealing with what am I doing in my life and all that kind of stuff, if we don't reach that kid, then our church in another 10 years or 15 years is, is going to be... Uh, it's not going to have that ability and that power to do that. You're just going to have a bunch of old people, and then their kids may or may not want to be a part of the church. Some of them will, some of them won't. But our, we want our ministry to constantly be um, something that is 
really attractive to people who are, who are looking. And so we've, we've just decided that millennial generation, that, that's what we're focusing on. And so the songs that I choose, the, uh, the, the, the way that we lead it, the way that we dress, the way that we, the way that we speak, the sermon series that, that we choose, the subject matters that we choose to talk about are directed for the millennial generation. And, um, and we, you know, we've talked to all the rest of our members, like, this, this is what we're doing and this is why. And, uh, and, and I realize it may not be the most comfortable for you or you would prefer this, but we believe God is calling us to do this and we're asking you to help us and support us as, as we do it and not grumble. And they don't. They, they, they love it. Everybody's bought into the vision. We have to teach a lot on the vision and what, what that vision is. Do you, do you talk about that on Sundays or is that more of a midweek type of thing? Or? Both. Yeah. I mean, primarily midweek, but there, there are those, there's those, those Sunday... There's those special services that you have on Sundays, the beginning of the year, kind of around September, where it's a state of the church address, and it's like, this is who we are, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, it's always in our communications with our small group leaders. Uh, at midweeks, we try to weave it in all the time. This is, we're, we're reaching the millennial generation. That's good. Um, okay, uh, I'll ask you one more question, and then, um, and then we'll, we'll do the discussion groups. Um, so... I know you, the turning point is a former, former AMS region, so you know, you have, I would imagine you have a pretty deep bench of people who would like to serve, or I mean, you probably have a lot of guitar players, or a lot right. of people who, and, um, and I think in all of our groups, maybe we have people maybe who would like to serve, uh, but obviously everybody that wants to serve can't. Right. So how do you make that decision of kind of inclusion versus excellence, or... You know, how, how do you kind of say, look, I, I appreciate that you would love to serve, but this is our team right now, or kind of how, how, do, you, how do you have those conversations, or are there things that you do to, to have a, I know you mentioned you have a choir, do you have other things where more people can get involved, maybe that can't serve every week or something like yes. that? Yes, yeah, great question. That is, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. If you don't have a very clear um, vision uh, for your worship ministry, then you will get pulled by everyone else's opinions and desires. And, you know, well, I think we should do this song. Well, I really want to, I really want to sing this. I really want to be a part of it. And like, like I was talking about, people's own desires can pull the direction of the worship ministry. You've got to start with, this is, this is our vision. This is why this worship ministry is going to exist. And if you start there, then your other decisions are easier to make. Uh, if, if you're just like, hey, we need some song leaders up there, then if you have to tell somebody, no, maybe not, then it becomes very personal um, and, and it, it's a hurt feeling kind of thing. But if, if you're going back to, you know what, this, our vision is this, and so I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to allow you to do this, but it's because of this reason. Example is, um, I mean, we've, we've got some uh, singers in our ministry who are just incredibly gifted, uh, sang on Broadway. I've got a couple opera singers who are really trained and, and very, you know, great, super talented. Um, but that style does not fit with the vision that I have set for our worship ministry. And so if they ask, or when they have asked and wanted to be a part of it, you know, I, I, I think about it, I'm like, this is not what we're trying to do on Sunday mornings, and so it, it's not going to work, and it's not going to fit. Um, and occasionally, you know, sometimes people respond really well to that, and they get it. Other times they don't, and there's hurt feelings. Um, I, I go back to, but if you're having hurt feelings, then it's about you, mm. and it's, it's not about what, where is the church trying to go. Yeah. I mean, because there does have to be some trust of the leadership at some point that is like, this is the vision that the, the leadership wants us to go in, so we're, we're going to go in that way. Do you, do you encourage people to have other avenues for that kind of stuff then? Like, let's say you have an opera singer, you know, hey, get involved in your community 
absolutely theater and then you know or whatever like some way right. that they can right because yeah I, I mean people do sort of sometimes look at the worship team as this is my creative outlet and that's right. not that's not what it is right? absolutely so, well it, I mean it would be like someone who is gifted in accounting saying I you know I really need to use my gifts for God well they, they may or may not be the person that you want on your on your accounting team or doing your administration you may have a lot of people you're doing your administration you don't need that person they have a gift for accounting how can they use that how do you use that gift for God just because you have a gift does not mean that it's on stage on Sunday morning right. it, you can you can use that to interact with other people and how you do it whether it's in the community or doing something else you know and, you're and I know this kind of comes to like when we were when we, I, I was planning the, the all LA services. We used to meet all of LA a couple times a year, at least once a year. We haven't met for a little while, but anyway, uh, early on, I would try to get one person from every region on stage, uh, musician, you know, uh, musicians from every region of the LA church. Make sure we had every race up there. Make sure we had every age. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, we got to include everybody, and it made for a really challenging, just gelling because right. you know you got musicians from all over the whole other church and so i remember you telling me uh you know it's not really about what's on stage at all it's about what's happening in the congregation and so even how can you do how can you accomplish what you need to do with as few people on stage as possible is what you told me at that time like maybe you only need one singer for this song or maybe you only need one singer and a guitar for this i don't know how can you accomplish what you want with as few people on stage as possible because it's not the idea of let's get everybody on stage. And that was a real paradigm shift because I don't think we operated that way right. in our church for a long time. It was like, okay, I've got to make sure I've got every race. I've got to make sure I've got every representation of every region. Up the, you know what I mean? And so right. that was a huge weight off of me because I always felt so much pressure. Like, I've got to please everybody. And we have to have right. every kind of song. And we have to have every kind of, every region. And, every, <laughs> right. and so that was a huge weight off of me. And so that's kind of how we operate on Sunday. But... Um, is that still sort of the way that you operate, or yeah, would you absolutely. add anything to that? I'm, I'm, I'm no, I, I do think that um, uh, I, I try to have an audition once a year, because if I don't have an audition, then when people come up and say, hey, I'd really love to serve on the worship team, then if I know that they're not, you know, that they're maybe not at the level to help us, then I'm in that position of saying, I don't think that you really should. So, but if I have an audition, if someone comes up and wants to say, I say, you know what, we're going to have auditions in October. Why don't you come to the audition, and then I'll hear you, and then we can go from there. So I, I get, my, get my crew, and then we're, then we're set for a year, and then, then we do it that way. And so, how often do you do the choir? The, the choir auditions I try to do once a year. I've just started doing this. I just finally figured it out after 15 years. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so we, we just had our choir auditions last year, and now I try to use them once a month. You use the choir once a month? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so let's do this. We're going to do some discussion questions with like four or five people around you. And it's great if we have people, inter, you know, mixing with other people from other groups and stuff so we can kind of get, get to know each other. At, we'll, we'll discuss with each other for a while, and then uh, we're going to have a panel discussion and, and be able to have the panel up here. And you guys can ask questions of the panel and kind of have more of a discussion as a whole group. So first we're going to talk with the four or five people around you. Again, if you need to take a break or grab some refreshments or whatever. But just circle up with four or five people around you, and we're going to discuss the questions that Jay's putting on the screen right now. There you go. Oops. Marshall, can you put those back up there? Sorry, yeah. There you go. That's my son Marshall back there. He's part of our tech ministry. He's awesome. All right. 